Praise the Lord. It's good to be in church today on Sunday afternoon. As a matter of fact, it's a Sunday morning. And uh, to come together to worship God. Glad for everyone that's here uh, attending service here in this building today. Those of us joining online, we appreciate you joining with us. Also, we're glad to have uh, Sister Phillips back in our midst. And uh, prayer does work. Uh, this church has been praying for so many individuals that are now well. And we've seen God's hand of mercy and compassion reach down and touch their lives. And also, we're so glad to have Brother Ron's parents with us. All the way from India. And they'll be around for a while and we're glad that they're here and we trust that they'll enjoy the service and the service would be a blessing to you. We've had good services. Uh, since the pandemic started, we've had fantastic lessons given to us. And last Wednesday night, one of the statements that uh, was made was that the, God's purpose for the church <clears throat> is that we all should live godly and promote holiness in our lives. And uh, it's, uh, it's important for us to understand uh, God's will and God's purpose. I think the song we sang on Wednesday was, uh, Sometimes He Leads Me uh, By Still Waters, and Sometimes Down Paths I Do Not Know. Sometimes He Leads Me Through the Valley. Valley experiences are hard experience. A tough experience and many a times we've experienced things in our lives that quite we question and we don't know the answers for them but one of the things that keep us going as children of God is the fact to know that God is in control of every situation nothing can happen to a child of God outside of his divine plan and his divine will uh, I, I love the title of the, the, uh, the lesson last Wednesday, uh, the Jesus attitude, right? The Jesus attitude. Yeah, some time ago, maybe 15, 20 years ago, we had a lesson in this assembly here uh, that was titled uh, Attitude Adjustment. I don't know if you remember that, uh, but it was dealing with us changing our ways and the way we think and the way we behave and adapt towards that of God. And uh, the lesson on Wednesday night was focused uh, on, on us telling us exactly how we need to change. We can't wait until it's the last moment uh, to turn around and give our lives to the Lord. Uh, but uh, like that rich young ruler that came to Jesus in Matthew, I think the 19th chapter, uh, when he said, he says, Lord, he says, he says, what shall I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus' answer to him was beautiful. He says, you keep the commandments of God. Uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And he lists all the commandments. And the, what was nice about it all, the young man said, you know, Lord, I've kept all of these from my youth. And the reason why, he said, from my youth, I would imagine he had parents that would teach him the commandments of God, teach him the ways of God. 
And that is why it's a responsibility of parents to make sure that your kids learn the things of God in the proper way. It's easy for them to learn the things of the world. It's easier for them to learn what's happening out there and it's the evil that uh, surrounds us. Uh, so we have to do our responsibility is to teach them God's ways. Uh, Moses said, and thou shalt teach them. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He says, and thou shalt teach these things to your children. He said, talk about them. Teach them diligently. And so we appreciate the Lord for these lessons we are getting when that rich young ruler says, I've kept these from my youth. And Jesus says, there's one thing that thou lackest. Sell all that you have. Give to the poor. He was rich. And you see, sometimes materialistic things would hold us back from our growth and our development in God. Our possessions can hold us back and keep us back. And so he says, sell all that you have and give to the poor. And then you'll have a chance to go into the kingdom of God. And you know, the sad part of that scripture was that he was very sad about it. He didn't want to part with his wealth. And uh, he went away. The scripture says he went away very sad. And I thought about it. And, and uh, we can attend church for years. We can know all the commandments of God. We can uh, memorize all the scriptures. But when it comes to live godly and make some sacrifices... Uh, we would back away. You know, the scripture in Hebrews, I think it was, it says that uh, the Lord would have no pleasure in one that would draw back. And may God help us to understand that coming to church is one thing. But attending church doesn't make you a child of God. It's the godly lifestyle and the work that's done when nobody is around. See, Jesus, he defended the poor. He loved people. He was merciful. He was grateful. And many times I, I read in the scriptures when he says, Thank you, Father. He was so great and powerful, and yet he had a time to show an appreciation and a gratitude in his heart for his Father. And we live in a time and an age where gratitude and thanks are forgotten. Uh, we live in an age when Paul said he was writing to Timothy, I think, when he says, he says, we are in the last days, perilous times shall come. Perilous times. We're not talking about the forest fires that we're experiencing. No. He was not talking about uh, 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 hurricanes and natural disasters as perilous times. No. The perilous times that he reflected on was that he says, when men shall be lovers of their own selves. And what would keep us away from church or attending church when this place is designed not to entertain anyone? This is not a theater. It's a place where we can come and ask God for his help. It's a place when we can come here and broken down before God and God can reach down by his mercy and grace and change our lives and turn us around. I'm so glad that I listened to the voice of the Lord many many years ago i was born in a christian home parents were christians taught me the things of god 
But that did not make me a Christian or a child of God. I had to make that choice and decision for myself. But God has to reach down and change from the inside. Change our hearts. And when we surrender at all, I've never regretted the moment I accepted the Lord in my life. I've never regretted one moment. Oh, they're not always beautiful experiences. No, all things are not bright and beautiful. But one of the things I realize is that gold is only purified by fire. And like the statement we have heard so many times, it takes stormy waters to produce skilled sailors. And I believe in prayer. I believe that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I believe prayer is just not coming here and, and asking someone to say a prayer for you. It's not saying prayers. It's talking to God. You don't have to have a big vocabulary to approach the throne of God. I could be watering my garden in the backyard and I can keep my mind. Men ought to pray always and not to faint. I can talk to him. I don't need an institution to, uh, to connect me with God. No, I can talk to him for myself. Just like I talk to my natural father, I can talk to him for myself. And the Lord can hear. And this is where the church is very important for us to be here. There is power in the name of Jesus to set every individual free. And that is why I appreciate the church a whole lot. I can come here, bring all your needs to the altar. We'll be praying and uh, worshiping God in a few minutes. But if you've got a need in your life, or you've got a problem, a sickness, a, a physical a condition in your body that you need God to help you with, don't give up. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, the scripture says, and lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. He said, the word of God shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. And I believe God is in our midst today. God is merciful. And David said, his mercy endureth unto all generation. Don't trust in the system of this world. Don't trust in the evil that surrounds. It might seem, that, that seem attractive. But trust the Lord our God. And he's able to deliver us. So this time, why don't you join with me? Let, let's all stand and join with me in prayer. As we bring some of these needs before the Lord. And ask God to bless this service here today. Let's all pray. Father, today we thank you. So much that we can call upon your name. Thank you, Father, for your mercy and your grace. And Father, you so love the world, your scripture says, Father, that you give your only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on you will never perish but have everlasting life. And today, Father, we bring Sister Davis before you. This is your child. And Lord, she's going through this terrible situation. And oh God, we ask you for your mercy that you'll reach down your hand of grace and mercy and compassion, oh Father, and minister strength and healing to this child, we pray. Increase her faith and her trust and confidence in you. Thank you for helping Brother Beer, oh God, through this sickness that he's had. Thank you for Sister Phillips, Lord, and Sister Polly, and all of your children, oh God, Sister Chandry, that's here in our midst today because of prayer. Nadine is here today because of prayer. I'm here, Father, because of prayer. And oh God, we believe 
There's power in prayer. And Father, we trust in you today that you'll reach down your hand. Those that are listening today, we pray that you'll fill the needs in their lives. Father, remember all of our young people. We bring before you one more time. We bring our families before you, oh God. Save our families from this uh, evil generation that we're living in. And uh, this world that's encroaching in the, in the hearts of your people, Father. That's world that's a fill of darkness and, and evil, oh God. Keep us preserved. Oh Father, we ask it in the name of Jesus. We give you thanks. Bless our service today. We thank you for our pastor. Lord, we pray that you'll touch his mind as he ministered today. Give him understanding and wisdom, O oh God, that he'll minister your word continuously that will bring about a change in every one of our lives. We give you thanks today, Father. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen and amen. Please be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen.
of walking. He's been in bed for many, many years and um, he has a little problem in his body right now added to everything else. And we want to also remember Brother Kirk. Um, he asked for the church to pray for him. He's doing well, but how well can you do when you're in prison? And he's about to be examined and relocated if God would allow that into a minimum security prison cell. And I told him I miss him and I wish he was out here. And so we want to pray for these two. Join me in prayer. Father, we give you thanks. Lord, that you understand all the needs of your people. First of all, Lord, I pray for everyone in this assembly today that has a need in their life. Father, whatever the needs are, we pray that, oh God, you will grant it according to your will. Remember Brother Bob at this time, Father, I know there is no distance to prayer. Lord, send an angel, Lord, touch, touch Brother Bob in his bed of affliction right now, Father, we pray. Remember Brother Kirk and every other child of God that needs prayer at this time, Father, we bring them all into your hands, Lord. Let your will be done. Let healing virtues flow through your minds of your people and their lives, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's all be seated. I was almost tempted to ask Nadine to sing a special for us. Um, we've got visitors today, and I'm going to be a good boy. When a good boy, I normally can preach long, but today I'm going to make it short. Well, we're glad to have you here. You have a wonderful son, and we have grown to love and appreciate Brother Ron. And the grandson, I love this boy. I think he's going to be a preacher when he grows up. Are you going to be a preacher when you grow up? He does this. Today we're glad to be in church, and uh, the song we were singing earlier, that Jesus is still the answer. And we appreciate God working in our midst in so many ways. Uh, we're, we are living in an age where we will never be free from 
trials and sicknesses and problems all around us. There'll be problems to the left, there'll be problems to the right, problems ahead of us and problems behind us. It's not the storm that's, that's just dangerous. It's how we handle the storm. And someone said, when you see the storm, don't try to hide from it. Adjust your sail to ride through the storms. And uh, these are things, uh, these experiences in life make us stronger. I was thinking about Melanie today, and there she is sitting. And when she came up for prayer, I told her that we love her. And she said she loves us too. You know, <clears throat> there's um, some more things I'd like to say about Melanie, but not today because of limited time. But uh, what a world to live in. And I was selling Sister Chandri. She was selling me. Um, when I call her name, then she is setting back herself, wonder what he's going to say next about me. But she has gone through hell, physically, hell. And uh, the other day, uh, as a matter of fact, many years ago, many, many years ago, maybe 15, how long ago you had interstitial cystitis? About 15 to 20 years ago. Uh, she was diagnosed with a condition in her body that is called interstitial cystitis. Upon uh, uh, added to the many other problems she's got, they told her about interstitial cystitis that it cannot be cured. I remember I was there with the doctor when he says, we don't know what causes it, our urologist. He says, we don't know what caused it and we don't know what can cure it. He says over 3 million Americans, uh, North Americans, have this problem and they have to learn to live with it. He says you have to find natural cures and see what you can live. It will help you to survive dealing with it. Well, that was about 15, 20 years ago. Um, just past this past year, a few months ago, she went to the doctor and uh, she said, Doctor, can you check for interstitial cystitis? And he came to her and he says, Mrs. Singh, there's no interstitial cystitis. And she, she said, check again. <laughs> you know, she didn't believe him. She said, check again. And he checked the second time. He said, there is no trace of interstitial cystitis. And so she said, Dad, I'm not sure about this. I said, well, you remember the days when Nadine had five lumps? Was it five lumps? Five lumps. She had breast cancer. She had surgery. Uh, she caught it early. And then she had five lumps to discover. And her uro uh, that's, um, oncologist uh, said, we're, we're going to do biopsy uh, to discover what these are, if they're cancerous or whatever. Five lumps, you know. And, and they did. And when we remember, uh, when she did the final test, and as she walked into her oncologist's office, uh, she was an African lady sitting there, and she says, Nadine, do you go to church? An oncologist is asking if you go to church. She said, yes, ma'am, I go to church. She said, you get up on Sunday and tell them that God healed you, that we can't find the lumps. 
And I told Chandri, God does not only heal lumps, God can heal interstitial cystitis. And God can heal that which seems impossible to heal. God is a healer. And he that created the universe and spoke the stars and the planets into existence, don't tell me he can't touch your body and heal you. But like Brother Sam said today, uh, the trials that God gives us is to make us stronger. And that reminds me of the statement Chandri wrote to me many, many years ago, and I'll never forget it. Uh, when I was going through my trials and battles in my early days, I wasn't married. I was about 19, 21, 19 to 20 years old. And I was pastoring. I was oversighting a few churches. And I was getting problems because I'm a young guy. I'm not married. You know, nobody wants to listen to you. She wrote and she said, it takes stormy waters to produce skilled sailors. Face the storm and learn what God has to teach you. And like Brother Sam was saying, it takes a fiery trial to burn out the dross from raw gold. Raw gold can never be purified if it does not go through the fire. You can't say hocus pocus and the gold is purified. And so the fire is necessary in some of our lives uh, to face a situation. Jesus made a statement here in Matthew, the 24th chapter of Matthew. And while you're trying to get 24th chapter of Matthew, I want you to also uh, turn with me, first of all, before Matthew 24, turn with me to, to Timothy, uh, to the book of Timothy. And Brother Sam quoted this scripture also. In Timothy, Second uh, <clears throat> um, Timothy chapter 3, Paul was writing this letter to a young man whose name was Timothy, and he was writing this letter about approximately 2,000 years ago. And he said to Timothy, he says, this know also that in the last days, that is in our days, when you wrote this 2,000 years ago, the scripture tells us a day is like a 1,000 years in God's sight. See, God inhabits eternity without the distinction of present, past, and future. For God, a thousand years is like a snap of the finger. For you and I, we get old, we get tired. Oh God, how long is this going to... For God, it's a moment. Uh, he created time, but he's not affected by time. He created the first day, and he knows when would be the last day. But he does not live and dwell in time. You and I are affected by time. There was a time when I was young. I was like Timothy. My hair was all black. Not a single gray hair. Unfortunately, I can't stop the clock. Time catches up on you. And I'm glad that God has kept me alive unto this day, in spite of the many times I could have died. And God spared my life. And it's one thing to talk about what Paul experienced, and what Peter experienced, and what they experienced 2,000 years ago. But I can tell you what I experienced today. It's not yesterday. 
it is today God still heals incurable diseases he still causes lumps possibly cancer lumps to disappear that the ungodly doctor can say get up and testify in church on Sunday and we serve a God that's wonderful but the age we're living in it's not an easy age to live in and so may God help us in this miserable world that we're living in this world is a miserable world and Paul writes here to Timothy he says in 2nd Timothy uh, he said in chapter 3 and verse 1 he says this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come he says because perilous times is coming on society because the leaders the men the men in authority the men in governmental offices they're sick we can't just be influenced by everyone that's in authority I mean I pay my taxes I never robbed the government when I ask for an income tax received from the church office, it's the exact amount of money I give to the church. A charitable contributions, I always try to give. Even though we don't have a lot, we give continuously. I have learned the secret of continuing to live and prosper is to learn to give. And like Job, search out the cause and do justice. And the, the blessings of God is conditional. You know, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. As I'm living in this world, and you're living in this world, you know, there's a story I heard. There's a little uh, description someone said when I was a young man growing up. And the preacher, I was listening to a preacher. I was a young man, not married, listening to a preacher. And he made a statement like this. He says, take a fish out of the ocean, a salt-infested ocean. And when you catch that fish out of a salt-infested ocean, and you're ready to clean it and cook it, you have to add salt. Because it lived in the ocean, it lived in the midst of the salt, but the salt never got into it. And that preacher said today, he says, so you as a child of God has to live in this world without the world getting into you. You live among a corrupt and evil generation and you never allow the corruption in society to affect you. And one of the reasons why the society becomes more corrupt is because men, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Someone says, well, I love God. Well, you might love God conveniently. But do you love yourself more than you love God? I don't want you to answer. But I want you to answer mentally. I love God. Oh yes. When? On a Sunday? On a Saturday? On a Wednesday? What about the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? 
And if I were God, you can't serve me at your convenience. You've got to make time to put me on the highest pedestal in your life. When you understand that, it would affect your commitment to God. When you understand that God's a great God, He deserves my best. I'm not to give Him that which is polluted and corrupt. I'm to give Him the best offering, and the best offering is myself given to God. Because I can think I'm serving God, but I'm really serving myself. Because Paul says, perilous times shall come, because men shall be lovers of their own selves. Everybody, what else? Covetous. And you know what? What your neighbor has is your neighbor's. Don't want it. And that's the age we're living in. When I was growing up, we didn't have television. We didn't have Amazon. We didn't have television. We didn't have credit cards. When you get $5, my God, you're lucky. How you run to the store. At that time, chocolate bars was like 25 cents for a nice bar of Cadbury. We cannot, we love ourselves so much that we cannot give God some more of our time. And that lesson is coming next week. Because I look at Melanie, and she's a very good example. She comes to church, and I look at her, and as soon as the worship starts, she gets that hand up. And you give her a nice, sad, dedicating song of dedication, and she starts to cry. I watch you, Melanie. I watch you all the time. And when there is an occasion, Melanie, who is financially incapable of doing things, she comes with a little present or a little gift for us. And when someone would spend a thousand dollars for a gift, her two dollars gift is worth more than a thousand. Because she gives it from the heart. And you see, God judges us based on our ability. What am I capable of doing? Well, I might do a little carpentry, I might do a little masonry, I might do a little painting, I might do, I can vacuum, um, I can um, paint the parking lot like I came this morning, look at that parking lot, and I know the city said they're going to fix the parking lot. But I can't live with this the way it is. And this is God's church. We should have a new door in about a week and a half. But I can't live with that. This is God's church. And I can't do my parking lot. And the church is left abandoned. It cost me a little, a couple of dollars. But I can do that. And depends on all that I can do, God judges me based on my ability and the talents he has given me. On a one to ten, considering you got a lot of talents, you can do a lot of things, your talent might be ten. 
And I look at Melanie, her talent might be two. And you might have 10 talents. You got the ability to do a lot of things, but if you only use two, you use 20%, am I right? Of your talent. When Melanie come and she has only two and she uses up the two, she uses 100% of her talent. I want everyone listening to me today to figure out what you can do and what you have not done for the work of God that you're guilty of. Men shall be lovers of their own selves because they're covetous. And you talk about bragging and boasting. They're boasters. I can do this and I'm this. And I'm a... You know, <clears throat> humanism is when I put myself on the pedestal and I worship myself. Are you a self-worshipper? Listen to me carefully. Do you worship yourself? Well, I have about Yes, you do. When you all you think about is letting people know how wonderful you are and how great you are, you are worshiping yourself. You're involved in the religion of humanism. One verse of scripture. Covetous boasters. And when you're boasters, then you become proud. Well, only God knows my bank account. I don't have to worry, I got retirement, you know, bank account. I got a good face. I drive, I live in a good house, and I've got a nice car. See, there was a time. Ron, what's your dad's name? Rajdeep. Rajdeep? Rajdeep. Okay, guess what? There was a time when we buy a car is to transport our family. We need a car to transport our family, so we buy a car. Now, you gotta buy the cool machine. So when you're driving it, the neighbors can see what you got. The purpose of everything has been polluted and perverted. A house was meant to live in, now a house to meant to show the neighborhood what you got. Simplicity is lost and arrogance is exalted and we are so proud of God knows what. You know what destroyed the devil was he was lifted up because of his beauty. And that is why Paul says don't ordain a novice lest he being lifted up with pride fall into the condemnation of the devil. I know when I go to my doctor, I like to see his certificates on the wall. You know, there was a time. You know, there's nothing for me to boast about my sinful life. The past. But today's world, it's about boasting. And blasphemers, I say things without the respect for God. I blaspheme his name. And then, disobedient to parents. I was telling this church many, many times that when I grew up, parents were everything. Yes, sir. The age has changed. The age we're living in is the kids are everything. When I was growing up, our parents are everything. 
We were nine kids in our family, six boys and three girls. And when my dad came from work in the afternoon, we were all waiting, see who forced to get to get, run and hug him and kiss him. And then we have dinner. And we sit down, respect our parents. Blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful. In my life, one of the things God has led me through in my life is that people do not know how to say thank you. But I've helped people over and over again, and I want to say thank you for giving me opportunity to help you. Because people don't know how to say thank you. People don't appreciate, whether it's a natural parent or a spiritual parent, disobedient to parent, unthankful, and the worst of all is unholy. Next verse, I'd use one more verse and then I'm finished. Without natural affection. We live in a society where your child has to decide if it's going to be a boy or a girl. I mean, after it's born. So Ethan... What do you want to be, boy or girl? You got to decide what you want to be. You want to be boy or girl? Hmm? You sure? Positive? Because if you don't want to be a boy, we call you LC. You know, this is a society we're living in. Why your child has to decide. Your boy or your girl has to decide what they want to be. What a sick society. Government leaders are sick. But it's saying be careful. It's going off overseas. Yeah, sure. So somebody's got to preach the gospel. We live in a perverted age. Where if you're evil, you have rights. If you're moral, you don't have rights. Won't that be something a few of us start want to march, uh, march down the city and says, we are proud to be normal. Huh? They persecute you. Because words have changed their definition. There was a time to be gay meant to be happy. Not today. Without natural affection, it means you don't have care for what God made you as. You want to be something else. Oh, God help us. A marriage doesn't last. A covenant is not kept. And as the years go by, Christian dedication, it dwindles down to almost zero. I'm 74 this month. And I pray, oh God, help me to live a little longer. Because I don't know what is going to happen to the church if I die. You might have to cut back the services to one service per week. Like the Seventh-day Adventists do. And give some food so you can get people turned out. You know how many of you listening to me today wish church was one day per week? So you can give God a little spare time and be busy about your own affairs? I tell you what. The most important thing to me 
when it comes to work and getting things done, is what I do for the church. And if that's not important for you, you need to be saved. There was a time when we bought our first church. Lunchtime people would drive around. Today, we come and we work. Like some days I come and I'm there doing things all by myself. And sometimes I wish someone would drive around and say, do you need a cold drink? So the man would drive around and says, um, excuse me, are you the pastor? I said, no, I'm painter. I said, Sunday I'm pastor, Saturday I'm pastor, Wednesday I'm pastor, today I'm painter. And then they smile. But you know, that's what it is. I love God's house and I love this place more than anything else. Why don't you love it? We get back on this talent thing some other time. But if God was to give you 10 talents or he give you eight talents, how much are you using to help in the work of God? Not to build your own self up, but the work of God. If not, there's a reward for those that cannot bear fruit and those that cannot produce something that God wants to reap that he cannot reap. Listen, serving God is called discipleship. And it demands dedication, it demands commitment, it demands sacrifices. Finish. Incontinent, truth breakers, false accusers. We like to condemn people. You know, that's the world we're living in condemn somebody I got five minutes more do you know some of you would be like fish out of water if some of us don't have problems for you to talk about if I don't give you something to talk about John you know if I can't give you enough garbage in my life and then you meet you meet but uh, Timothy you have something to you know like that is sick you know that's a sick society when all you can think about is the garbage in somebody else's life when I was working secular job a man came I never liked him anyways but I like everybody but I never really liked him he was aggravating and he came he says Desmond I say yes mr. Gillard he says, there are two kinds of birds I want to bring to your attention. Can Mr. Giller tell me something good? <laughs> that one was really good. He says, there's the lark. And when the lark goes up high in the sky and it flies, it sees the landscape. It sees the rivers and the falls and the mountains and the valleys. It looks at the flowers. It sees the dahlias and the daffodils and the petunias. It sees all of this beauty and it flies and soars. He says when a raven goes up, all it's looking for is a rat or some carcass. Which one are you? I'm not talking who can quote more scripture. I'm talking what do you look for in people? Your world would become a beautiful world 
if you can look for that little spark of good, even in wicked and evil Ringo. If I can see the good in your life, Nathan, even though it's like 5% only, it makes my world a happy world, than me get carried away with all the junk and garbage. You know what Nathan did today? Was it something good? No, I'm going to tell you what he did today. Terrible things. Don't tell me. Unless you think I'm a... If you think my ears are garbage bin, tell me. The junk. But please respect me enough not to pour your dirt into my ears. You got nothing good to say, don't speak. Even a fool, the Bible says, is counted wise when he keeps the silence. It's nice chatting with you today. Good day to live in. But the world is evil. May God help us to be like that little fish in the ocean that lives in the sea but never allowed a seed to get into us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for this day in your house. We thank you for the privilege you've given to us that we can hear your word. May these simple words that we have heard today remain in our hearts and change our lives. Father, we thank you for the privilege you've given to us that we can change. Help us, O oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.